Bibles again this morning, please, if they don't already turn there, to uh, Matthew chapter 5, as we continue our series uh, for this summer on the Beatitudes, and we're making our way through, and uh, it's been such a challenge to me in so many ways, uh, these powerful statements from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I read this past week about an admissions committee of a private Christian college, and they were interviewing potential students. Um, and the committee asked all the candidates a certain set of questions, and they found that the replies were pretty much the same. Here are some of the questions and answers. What will you do after you gain admission into this college? I will endeavor to gain the best education I can. What will you do after you've gained your degree? I will secure a good job. After that, well, I will earn a good deal of money and have a happy life. After that, enjoy my retirement. And what's after that? No response. Usually that was the end of the conversation. And the author that I was reading said that that is what the majority of the people in the world are living for. Getting a good education, having a good job, living happily ever after. They have no thought of anything after that. Their idea of long-term planning ends when, with their 401k and other retirement savings. But he's challenged us. He says, let us think about ourselves. Those of us who claim to believe in Jesus Christ and have dedicated our lives to God. Are our long-term plans and goals any different than those of those college students today? What do we desire the most? What are we living for? That is the most significant question of the Christian life, of any life. And that is the question, this beatitude that we're going to study today, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, answers in the most explicit terms where it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And he wrote, that's it. That's the goal of the Christian life. That's what we're living for. We may live our life in such a way that we see God. Because if we see God, that will open up the treasure trove of all blessings, not only for eternity, but also for life here and now. And the key to open that treasure trove is a pure heart. And I think the author is absolutely correct in what he wrote. In fact, that was David's desire. If you go and read Psalm chapter 27. And verse 4, I'm going to show you a lot of Scripture today. I'm going to put it on the screen. You might want to jot the references down. Psalm 27, 4. One thing I have desired of the Lord, that will I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. Do you want to see God? Think about that. Do you want to see God? Well, if you do, then you must have a pure heart. That's what this beatitude says. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. But the question is, what exactly is the Lord Jesus talking about when He says this sentence? What is a pure heart? How do we get a pure heart? Does that mean that we have to reach a point of sinless perfection here in this life? And again, what does it mean that we're going to see God? I mean, doesn't the Bible talk about the fact that no one can see God and live? I mean, that's what the Scripture says in Exodus 33:20. So many questions, I know. But then there's the magnificence of this, this very sentence itself. Look at it again. Blessed are the pure in heart, 
for they shall see God. How do we unpack that in just a few minutes together? How do we really cover that? Well, I want to encourage you. We'll do the best we can with God's help. We're only going to scratch the surface, but lean in, pay attention. We're going to cover a lot of ground together in just a few moments, okay? And so I need you to kind of plug in and track along with me. I think the best approach to tackle such a magnificent statement, such an awe-inspiring statement, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, I think it really comes down to asking some questions. So I'm going to ask some basic questions and give you some basic answers hopefully today. First of all, here's the question. What heart is Jesus speaking about when he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What heart is Jesus speaking about? You know, when you come to the Bible and you see the word heart, you'll find that word a lot. And and sometimes it does talk about, it does, it's talking about the organ in your chest that's pumping blood through your body right now. In fact, I found a couple of instances. They weren't the most pleasant passages, but they talked about the heart. As we think about the heart, that is the pumping organ within our chest. But, but often when you see the heart in the Bible, it's not talking about the organ in your chest. As one noted, it is usually used figuratively. Uh, it talks about the center of a person's thoughts and mind and will. Uh, It's talking about the inner person, the center of life, uh, the volitional center, uh, the master control center of human life. It's the center of your personality. It's the real you. It's the one who makes the decisions in your life, your heart. When you look at all that the Scripture talks about the heart, Blanchard said when you put all of it together, the heart means... Uh, is that what governs our emotions and our thoughts and our desires and our motives and our ambitions and our affections and our will and our actions. It's the entire personality. It's the whole man. It's that what makes a person who they are. Uh, Someone described the heart as the control center or the cockpit of life. It's you. It's the inside. It's who you are. Mind, thought, emotions, will, all those things. That's why the Scripture is so clear when it comes to our hearts. It says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, Guard your heart above all else. Why? For it determines the course of your life. Your heart is you. And so we understand He's not talking about the organ within our chest. He's talking about our inner life which governs our minds, our thoughts, our emotions, our volition, all those things, our actions. And he says, blessed are the pure in heart. So that brings up the question, what does it mean to be pure in heart? Well, you know, the Bible was not written in English. Everybody understands that, right? When you go back to the original language here in the New Testament, the word that we have in the English translated pure, here's what it literally means. Literally, physically clean or pure has the idea of being unsoiled, free from dirt. Listen to this one. Unalloyed, without blemish, spotless, free from impure admixture, free from adulteration. Let me explain what that means. So it means to be pure on the inside. And if the heart is the center of our personality and our life, it means to be pure not just on the outside, but to be pure on the inside. It carries with it two ideas here. 
It means to be single-hearted in our devotion toward God. Remember, it's unalloyed. It's, it's, it's without a uh, mixture. So we're, we're pure in our, our um, devotion to God and it means to be free from hypocrisy. You're not play-acting. Some would describe it this way, integrity. To have integrity. In other words, we're not pretending. We're not play-acting. We're pure on the inside. There's purity on the inside, and so that purity on the inside comes out on the outside. It's not just pretending to be pure on the outside when being corrupt on the inside. Okay, you're still tracking with me? This means yes, this means no, this means I'm trying to stay away. (laughs) Now here's the question. How do we get pure on the inside? How do we get a pure heart? You know, the heart is not naturally pure. Did you know that? Here's an encouraging verse for you. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Do you realize just how wicked our hearts really are and can be? Have you been watching what's going on in Charlottesville, Virginia? Watching how people are spewing hatred because of the color of somebody else's skin? You realize just what is down in our hearts? You know, the Lord Jesus talks about it. Look at what He says in Mark 7, 21-23. For from within, out of the what? The heart of man proceeds evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from where? Within and defile a man. And so all those things come from the heart. Not this organ right here, but the inside of us. And the heart is not naturally pure, beloved. Our hearts are evil. And so what we need is a change of heart. We need to be saved. And the glorious thing is, we don't have to live with that evil, uh, evil, impure heart. God can change our hearts. Look at what Ezekiel 36, 26 says. I will give you a new heart. And put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You say, well, how in the world does that happen? Well, these verses might be familiar to you. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Look at it again. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your what? Your heart. That God has raised Him from the dead. You will be saved. Watch this. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Have you done that, beloved? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, into your life? Have you called upon Him to save you? If not, why not today? Why not have Him change your heart and give you a clean heart? Well, As vital as that is, as crucial as that is, and I can't emphasize it enough, I don't think that is what Jesus is primarily talking about here in this passage. In other words, I don't think the focus is on our positional purity in Christ. Rather, I think he's talking about our practical purity. In other words, talking to us who already have come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And he's saying to those who've already come to faith in Christ, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. This is talking about our day-to-day living for Christ. And so then there's this question. Well, preacher, is this talking about sinless perfection? Do you, can you understand that there are folks who have taught and believed, and I assume still believe, that there, you can reach a point in this life where you no longer sin. That you can reach a point of sinless perfection. 
You're incapable of sinning. If they can, I hope they don't hang out with me. Uh, because they're going to be mighty disappointed. Uh, if, if they could reach that point. Because I understand the Bible teaches that we're not going to reach that point in this life. You know, David, was David a perfect man? <laughs> you don't have to read very far in David's story. You know, he was not a perfect man, right? Uh, you're talking about a man who committed adultery, then committed murder to cover it up, and, and on and on it goes. He, he was uh, slack and disciplining his children. On and on it goes. But you know what the Bible says about David? It says that, talking about the heart, says that David was what? He was a man after God's own heart. But he was not a perfect man. In fact, the Bible is clear that we're not going to reach a point in this life, practically speaking, where we're going to be incapable of sinning or never sin again. In fact, the Bible says in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. Let's just be honest about it. As a child of God, sin is not the pattern of our life anymore. We don't live in sin, but we still fail and we still sin. And when we do sin, we need to deal with that sin. And the very next verse after it says that, it says this, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. And so we never reach that point of sinless perfection here. Now one day, we're going to be there when we're there, but not now and not here. Now that's an encouragement to me. I hope it is to you. Well, we know then within ourselves we can't keep our hearts pure. We need the power of God at work in our lives. Now, you know, every believer the Bible teaches has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. And the Holy Spirit is working in our lives to make us more like Christ. To make us holy. We've been thinking about holy today. And holiness, if you haven't noticed. And we have to cooperate with the Spirit's working in our lives. We have a responsibility. Yes, we can't do it on our own, but we have a responsibility. In fact, let me show you some verses that just remind us that we have a part to play in this whole process. It's not just we come and say, oh Lord, save me, and He just zaps us, and we're just, we're just holy and just righteous. No, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit of God. We're forgiven. We're, we're cleansed. We're, we're given a home in heaven. All of our sin is forgiven. But then we go out and we do what? We sin. And He's working in our lives. So we cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Let me show you some verses. Jot these references down. Look at Proverbs 4.23 again. Here it is in the New King James. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart. Guard your heart. Be careful about your heart. Be careful about what you obey, allow into your life. How about this one? Psalm 119, verse 11. Your word have I hidden where? In my closet? In my Bible, on my nightstand, where? Where do you hide God's Word? In my heart. Your Word have I hidden in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Now, let me tell you something. You're going to memorize Scripture. It's going to take some work. It doesn't work like you just go home and stick your Bible in your pillow and go to sleep and you wake up and say, I know the whole book of Romans. No, you don't. You have a crick in your neck because you slept on your Bible. That's what you have. You've got to work. You've got to cooperate with God, the Holy Spirit, hiding the Word in your heart so you can use it into your life. Look at Matthew 26, 41. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The Spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. 
2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1, look at what it says. Therefore, having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves, watch this, from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Time in the Word. Time in prayer. Time in the house of God with the people of God. The other spiritual disciplines, they all contribute to this purity of heart. Realizing we cannot do it on our own. And so we cry out with the psalmist. Psalm 139, verses 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my what? Know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. The emphasis here in this beatitude is upon purity and holiness. And can I just tell you, Oh, how we need an emphasis in today's world, in today's church, on purity and holiness. The people of God should act like the people of God. Now, to be pure in heart carries with it a blessing within itself. Think about it. When you're clean on the inside, when you're living a life that honors the Lord, is obedient to the Word, uh, that's a blessing within itself. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, if you're living a clean life, you don't have to deal with a lot of things that uh, come along with sin. When you're living a clean, pure life, there's that lack of regret and grief and remorse and the terrible consequences that come from bad choices and sinful choices and disobedience. And so just living a clean life, you know what I mean, having a clear conscience, you know what I mean? You understand this. If you're out driving this afternoon and you're on a road where the speed limit's 45 and you pass a state trooper and you're going 45 or 44, but you don't, you don't worry about it, do you? You just... If you're going 65 in the 45 and you pass the state trooper, you're saying, oh, I hope I know that state trooper. Right? Because there's that, there's that fear of consequences. And the other choices that we make in life, that we live with, regret, remorse, we realize that we've sinned and we've failed the Lord. So there's a blessing within itself. But notice what the Beatitude says. It says, blessed are the pure in heart. Now watch this blessing. For they shall see God. Now here's the question. How will these people see God? How are we going to see God? If we're, we have a pure heart, we've been saved, how are we going to see God? Well, ultimately we know that we're going to be in the presence of God throughout eternity. Um, to what extent we see Him, I don't know. Uh, generations of theologians, somebody wrote, have wrestled over the issue of whether this will be with the naked eye of the resurrection body or whether this is seeing will be purely spiritual. But all these ponderings have been pointless. And I agree. We don't know what extent we're going to see God. But we do know some things about it. We know that we're going to see God in God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be face to face with Jesus and guess what? You remember Jesus is God. So we're going to see God in God the Son, the Lord Jesus. I love this verse. Jot this reference down. Memorize this. This will bless your heart. Second Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness who has shown in our hearts to give the light 
of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. And then, hey, if you don't want to memorize that, memorize these next two. 1 John 3, 2 and 3. These are really bless your, your soul. Beloved, now are we the children of God. That right there is a blessing. Hallelujah. We're the children of God. But look at what it says. And it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when He is revealed, watch it, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. Now here's the interesting thing. Remember the Beatitude says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And it just talks about seeing. But notice the next verse. That's just verse 2. But notice 1 John chapter 3, verse 3. And everyone who has this hope, what hope? In seeing Him and being like Him, everyone who has this hope in himself does what? Purifies himself just as He is pure. Do you see the holiness? Do you see the cleanness? Do you see the right living there in the power of the Holy Spirit? There's purity there. Now, this is the future aspect of the Beatitude. We're going to see God. Hallelujah! But I believe there is a present blessing here too. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, what I mean about this is if our hearts are pure and clean, we can now, in a sense, see God. You say, what are you talking about? Well, let me just show you a couple things here. First of all, we can see Him in His creation. We can see Him in His creation. In this beautiful world in which we live. I don't know if it's the fact that I'm getting older or what, but I'm more and more captivated with the beauty that surrounds me when I'm in God's creation. Uh, doesn't the psalmist say in Psalm 19:1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. And there are some mornings when I go out maybe for a walk and I look out and I just have to stop and praise the Lord for a magnificent scene, for how wonderful of an artist He is. And I begin to see His goodness in creation. You know, we not only can see Him in creation, we can also see Him in His Word, the Bible. The Bible. Um, you come to this book and you come with clean hands and a pure heart. You come confessed and you get it right. And you begin to pour into the Scripture and you allow God the Holy Spirit to teach you. You begin to see God in a wonderful way working out His plan of redemption from ages past on toward eternity. We certainly see God in the Scripture. He specifically reveals Himself and attributes and things about it. But here's the interesting thing too. As we live a pure-hearted life, we also can see Him working in our lives. In other words, if we'll walk in the Spirit and walk in the light as He is in the light, we keep a short account with God and when we sin, we confess that sin and seek to live a holy, pure life. We can begin to see His hand at work in our lives, in the lives of our families, in the life of our church, in our circumstances, whether they're easy or they're difficult. We begin to see God's hand at work in our life. And we understand that He's here and He's present. In fact, Job, you think about Job. By the way, you ever have a bad week? Go read the book of Job. Okay? Uh, and you'll realize your week wasn't as bad as you thought it was. 
But even Job, as the Lord walked him through those things, it's interesting what it says in Job, getting towards the end, Job 42, verse 5. Look at what Job says. He says, I heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. And think about all that he went through. But he began to see that God truly is in charge and God truly is good. And, 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 and oh, if we could only see the goodness of God in our world, in our lives, in our circumstances now. To see Him. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yes, ultimately in eternity we're going to see God, but here now we can see God at work in our lives. You know, you may know the name Fanny Crosby. Fanny Crosby wrote thousands of gospel songs and hymns. Uh, in fact, we sing them still. You can go through the hymn book today and find Fanny Crosby songs. And if you know her story, you see there on the picture that she's wearing very dark glasses. If you know her story, she was blinded by a medical mistake when she was just a baby. She was just a baby, and she was blinded. And God used her to write so many wonderful songs. And I want to give you a quote of something Fanny said. These are her words, and I quote, It seemed intended by the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life, and I thank Him for this dispensation. Listen to what she says. she says here. If perfect earthly sight were offered me tomorrow, I would not accept it. I might not have sung hymns to the praise of God if I'd been distracted by the beautiful and interesting things about me. End quote. Can I just tell you, beloved, she was blind, but beloved, don't let that fool you. She saw more clearly than most people will ever see in their life. You know, it's interesting. When you come to one of her hymns, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, it's interesting when you think about the fact that she wrote this hymn that she's blind. Because she writes it in a very interesting way. In fact, maybe you remember some of these words. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight. Remember the third verse? Perfect submission, all is at rest. I am my Savior, am happy and blessed. Listen to what it says. Watching, she's blind. Watching and waiting, looking above. You see, beloved, the Scripture clearly says, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And you don't need physical eyes to do it. Father, we are grateful today for these wonderful words from our wonderful Savior. And I know, Lord, that we've only scratched the surface of this truth. But I pray that Your Holy Spirit would seal it to our hearts. I pray if anybody here is still living in darkness and does not know the glorious light of the Gospel and the Savior, the Lord Jesus, I pray that even during this invitation hymn, they would come and place their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, a lot of the message has been aimed towards those of us who know You. And so, Lord, I pray Your Holy Spirit right now to examine our hearts, as the psalmist said, search us and try us and see if there's any wicked way in us. Lord, cleanse us from that.
and help us to walk in purity and holiness. Lord, there are so many areas where we can get into filth and vileness today. Help us, Lord, to choose right, to choose truth, to choose holiness. We can't do it on our own. Lord, forgive us where we failed you. Help us to live clean and pure lives. We might see you actively at work around us and in us every single day. May you be glorified in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. I want us to sing that hymn this morning in closing. The altar is open. If you'd like to be saved today, we'd love to help you with that. If you want to come and pray today, maybe God has spoken to your heart about something. You come today, spend some time in prayer. 334, I believe it is, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine. This song written so long ago by this blind lady who, though she could not physically see, she obviously had beautiful, wonderful, rapturous visions of a wonderful God. And so, as we stand and sing Blessed Assurance, you come, the altar's open.